The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hello and welcome to another Fuel for the Harvest podcast. This is Charlie and I'm your host for this episode. I have been recently traveling around Sri Lanka. That's where I'm coming to you from today. And I have recently been in the middle of or or around various temples from place to place where Sri Lankans are coming, worshiping these gods, giving their offerings. Uh, It's pretty interesting, actually. These temples are massive i mean so tall kind of pyramid like structures and have carved idols of the gods they're worshiping all over them all across the front on every corner and they have all different colors like the full colors of the rainbow on these temples and as i was walking and looking at the different temples and watching people go in and pray and give offerings of fruit and different sacrifices and burning incense I was reminded of Matthew chapter 16. I believe that Jesus actually took his disciples to a similar location of spiritual darkness. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16, it says that they were in Caesarea Philippi. Now this is extremely important to understand the context, the picture that Matthew 16 is painting. In Caesarea Philippi, it just so happened that there was this massive rock cliff And at the base of this rock cliff, there were various temples where people would go and give sacrifices and worship. One of the gods that they had worshipped there was the Pan God. And then afterward, they had also worshipped Caesar. So there were temples at this cliff of the Pan God and temples of Caesar where people would come and do horrific acts, uh, sexual actions with goats and other things. They'd give sacrifices all to these gods. Whatever the case, it was an extremely spiritually dark place. There was even this uh, hole in the cliff, this waterway where water was coming out, and the people would say that you could even go back and forth to the realm of the dead through this waterway, and they called it the Gates of Hades, which is interesting when we start to see what Matthew 16 says. It says that uh, Jesus basically, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he says this in the middle of Caesarea Philippi. Just before we get to this statement made by Jesus, we find Jesus spending time with, with the disciples, and he says, Who do people say that I am? And Peter replies and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus replies and says that is true, essentially, and that it was given to him by God. And so it's fascinating that Jesus was not revealed as the Messiah, as the Christ, the Savior who is coming uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the place where Judaism was, the center place of Judaism, the the temple. It wasn't in uh, the synagogue. It was actually in one of the spiritually darkest places of the day, 
where no Jew would dare to step foot, a place that, that was spiritually dark and they would consider dirty and, and far off from God is the very place Jesus took his disciples and he was made known. Very fascinating. Uh, as we go and make disciples, Jesus builds his church. And if I don't know if you can hear, <laughs> there's like explosions in the background. I'm thinking it's fireworks. The presidential election is literally happening today as I'm recording this podcast in Sri Lanka. Uh, and so there's all sorts of things going on here today. Anyway, so Jesus takes his disciples to one of the spiritually darkest places on the planet. And it's there that his identity is made known and he proclaims the truth that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I I think that's a fascinating truth that it didn't happen in an expected place, but an extremely unexpected place in one of the spiritually darkest places. And Jesus is saying, none of this darkness can overcome. It will not overcome me. So as we go to make disciples, Jesus will build his church. And as I've been traveling throughout Sri Lanka, we've met with various pastors and and others in ministry and believers throughout various locations of the country. And I believe that God is doing that here. We're watching it happen. And it's just amazing to see uh, how the Lord is using these various pastors to advance the kingdom. Uh, At times they're, they're persecuted. Um, There's one pastor we met who talked about having this land and the way that they do church here in their gatherings is they have a home and it's connected to the room where they meet as a church body. So it's kind of like an extended house church, you could say. And so this one pastor had bought this land where he was going to live and they were going to have their church gathering there. And then all of a sudden the landlord decided that he was only going to give him half the land. So now this pastor is living in these tiny, tiny rooms in this tiny church. The church gathering area is maybe 10 by 20 feet, and they have 100 and some people, 130 people, I think he said, gathering in this location. And then they live in rooms with this thin kind of wood-like cardboard put up adjacent to that area, just because that is all they possibly can uh, due to what is coming against them. But they continue to persevere, and God is, is doing extraordinary things through them. It's it's really amazing to meet these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, and hear how God is still at work among them. And even if it's not the persecution that's hitting them, they are all living in a spiritually dark place. There are still 79 unreached people groups on the island of Sri Lanka, 79 uh, out of 174 of their people groups. And uh, of the entire population, only 7% is Christian, 6% of which is Roman Catholic. So 1% of the total population of Sri Lanka is evangelical Christian. So it is an extremely unevangelized country, extremely spiritually dark and still unreached still many people waiting for the hope of the gospel yet jesus is building his church uh on this trip we were able to meet with a chief and his family of of one of these people groups and uh this was our second meeting with him actually so we were partnering with on-ground believers here and uh, a couple years ago the lord had guided me to this chief before taking the trip 
a friend and I were praying, and we just asked the Lord, hey, would you reveal anything about this trip that you desire to show us? Is there anything you want to say? And as we were praying, these words kind of just came to mind. It was, find this chief. He's searching for more, and I want him. So I, I'd read different articles, books, trying to learn as much as I could about the country, and I came across this article with this chief's name in it, and there was different chiefs in different regions, uh, so none of them particularly stood out to me until I was praying in this moment. So I thought, okay, if this is the Lord, then certainly it will come true. So we stepped foot into Sri Lanka, and we were preaching in different places, new church plants in various parts of the country and, and church gatherings, but I said, hey, we'll do anything, but whatever we do, we must find this chief. We have to find him and get to him. So we showed up in the region we thought he might be in, where this, this tribal group is from. We started asking around, and they said, hey, it's that way. It's, in, it's nearby that, that town. So we would show up there and then ask around. They said, oh, it's that way. And finally, we, we showed up in his neighborhood, in his area, found his house, and uh, he wasn't there. His family was there. So we just met with his family. We said, hey, we brought some gifts for you. Here they are. Uh, can we talk with, with your husband? And they said, he'll be back later. So... Finally, he returns later that day, and uh, we said, hey, it's nice to meet you. Uh, we had heard about you and came all this way just to meet you. Is it okay if we spend some time talking with you? And the chief said, well, actually, I'm, I'm about to go somewhere else. I'm about to leave again. And we said, okay, could we talk with you for five or ten minutes? And he said, absolutely, five or ten minutes is great. So we sat down in this chief's house, and I said, man, we have ten minutes. We better get after it. And it just so happened we had met a pastor in a nearby region just before going to meet this chief, and he said, hey, be really careful uh, with evangelism and talking with people. We've, we've been tried to—people have tried to kill us. They've poisoned us. Uh, the monks, the Buddhist monks can beat you and hold you until the police come, so just be really careful. And so we showed up at this chief's house, and we sit down, and we have 10 minutes. I'm like, man, we better get after it. So the first question I asked this chief is, hey, what religion are you? And he said, well, we worship this specific God. And he started to share a little bit about it. And I said, okay, that's really interesting. So do you feel like in your heart you're searching for something more than that? And he said, yes, actually, I do. So I said, hey, I believe that God has sent us here to tell you what you're searching for. And we began to share with him how God created everything and sin had separated us from God. And we told him the message of Jesus. Jesus came and paid for our sins. He rose from the dead. He's alive today so we can have a relationship with him. We shared some testimony of, of what the Lord had been doing in our lives in the present. And uh, after we shared this, it was probably like seven minutes in, I said, so what do you think of this? And he said, I really like the message of Jesus and so I had to ask him, okay, do you want to follow Jesus? And he said, well, I don't think I could right now. You know, there's difficulty being a leader in this region. And he shared a few things. And, and we didn't have time to get into it. So I thought, hey, or I told him, are we at least welcome to come back in the future and discuss further? And he said, yes, you're, you're welcome to come back. And that seemed so significant, especially with what that other pastor had told us about persecution in that region. So here we are three years later praying for the last three years that the, the Lord would provide an opportunity for this chief, that he would bring salvation to this chief, and that we would see him come into the kingdom. So we show up at his house, and we get to spend about half a day with him or a few hours with him. And we sit down outside his house and just ask him, hey, 
after catching up, do you do you remember the message that we had shared with you last time? And he said, yes, I do remember. And uh, we said, so what are you thinking about it? And he said, well, I've, I'm thinking a little bit, but m- maybe both of our gods are equal, he said. And there were some other believers who came with us, so we just discussed a little bit with him, and, and one of the other believers shared his testimony of how he had been saved and God brought him out of witchcraft. And amazing testimony. Uh, and, and then we began to share, hey, here's what Jesus has done in my life. Here's stories of other people we know and what Jesus has done in their lives. And listen, we believe Jesus is alive today, and he claimed to be the only one true God. So we have to leave behind all idols and worship Jesus alone and no other except for him. And we shared a little bit about the resurrection, why we believe Jesus is still alive today, and some evidence for that. And by the end of our conversation, we asked this chief, so what do you think? And he said, actually, I've concluded that Jesus is God. I I was amazed by his statement. I could not have come up with a better statement to see God moving in someone's life. And so he said, I believe Jesus is God. That is my conclusion. We said, okay, are you ready to, to give your life and follow him? He said, yes, I am. So we prayed together right then and there outside this chief's home, and he gave his life to Christ. And it was just an amazing moment of rejoicing to think, wow, God had a plan to see this chief come into the family of God, and it happened as a result of listening to the Lord engaging him and through prayer and now he's a part of the family of god and so now we're making plans with on-ground believers for follow-up how can he become trained as a disciple and uh ultimately we have a sense that he could really become a spiritual leader in his region to begin sharing the good news with others and leading him them in the way of the truth so really really amazing what god is up to here in sri lanka uh as we've met with different believers and and as he's drawn this specific chief into his kingdom. We've seen the truth and the reality that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. They cannot prevail. They cannot stand because Jesus is ultimately the one with all authority, the one true God. And with this current election going on in Sri Lanka, I just have to add a few words, different things that I've discovered. Uh, as this election has been going on, Sri Lankans seem to have been really reminiscing and, and thinking about different events that happened during the war. It's kind of a difficult time for them, a time of tension. Uh, why is that? Well, there are two rivals, candidates for the presidency, one being Rajapaksa and the other Prima Dasa, and both have different wartime connections. Uh, Rajapaksa, many have accused of war crimes, although he's the one who ended the war, but people have been really concerned that he is essentially a war criminal, had killed many people, people disappeared, that kind of thing going on. His rival, Prima Dasa, uh, also large connections to wartime things going on, uh, he had essentially, he was the son of a president who was assassinated by the Tamil Tiger rebels in 1993. So both of them, huge connections going on uh, with wartime events and uh, Rajapaksa being supported mostly by the Singhala people and Prima Dasa by the Tamil people. So it's bringing up different tensions and different remembrances that people have during the wartime here. 
And so what does that have anything to do with this podcast as I'm bringing up the election again and thinking about it on this day? Well, it brings up this idea of God working in the midst of darkness. So I was talking with one brother here, and he began to share stories that were really amazing. He said, yeah, when this war began in 1983 and riots broke out and things started to get extremely difficult in the country of Sri Lanka, God began to move in a powerful way. He said that even hardened Hindus who opposed Christians horrifically and would never even give any ear to them, all of a sudden, he said, you could openly preach the gospel with them. And they would listen and they would be interested in hearing because there was nowhere else to turn. And difficulty was everywhere. God was beginning to work in the midst of the darkness. Jesus was building his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail. Not only that, uh, but this believer shared a really amazing testimony. He said he had met a young man who was a believer, and he said, I actually used to be a terrorist. And he said, really, how did you come to know the Lord? And so this 19-year-old guy began to share his story. He said, well, I was out in the forest one time and there was this this thatched roof house and they invited me in because it started to pouring pour rain and it when it rains in Sri Lanka it really rains heavily so this guy went into this hut basically and then realized what is this place this is a house church they have bibles and and all this sorts of thing in the house why in the world would i want to be here this is a horrible place to be uh, this 19 year old kid had a Post Christians and fought against them as a terrorist in Sri Lanka. And so he finds himself in this pastor's house, like, what in the world am I doing here? But it's pouring such hard rain that he stays and sticks it out because they had said, hey, come on in here. You're welcome to wait until the rain leaves. As soon as the rain stopped, he said, okay, I'm leaving. And he, he rushed out. But as he was leaving, the pastor said, hey, I want to tell you just one thing. This is all I can say is in any desperation that you might have, just call out to Jesus. So this guy walks away, and eventually, not too long after that, he was caught by the Indian army. And the Indian army ended up telling him, tell us the truth, where have you hidden the weapons that we know you have? He had some weapons cache, apparently, that he was hiding, and so they were trying to figure out where it was. So they were showing him all the people they were torturing, hanging upside down by ropes, doing all sorts of things, and they said, this is you next if you don't tell us the truth. And he just kept saying, I don't know, I don't know. And so then these guys came, and they were getting ready to hang him up. They were rolling up their sleeves, getting ready to tie him and hang him upside down and torture him to get the truth out. And in fact, they did hang him upside down and begin to torture him. They whipped him and whipped him, and that's when he began to think, how can I get out of this? They started to come in with clubs. They were going to beat him to death. And he wondered, how am I going to get out of this? I might die. And as he was doing so, he remembered, he was trying to remember all the different gods that he had known throughout his life and thinking, man, how can I get out of this situation? And as these guys were coming to him to torture him, he remembered what that one pastor had said. So he just called out, Jesus, I need your help. He, he thought, I have no idea, but I'm going to try this God. All of a sudden, the leader came in and told the guys, hey, this guy has told us, I don't know, I don't know. So it's not worth your time. Just let him go. They gave him his clothes back. He got dressed, and they let him go 
They just took the one weapon he had with him, and he went free. He went back to that pastor's house, fell down on his face to worship, and said, you saved my life. And the pastor told him, it wasn't me. It was the God that I served, the God that you trusted in in that moment. And right then and there, this guy committed his life to Christ. Amazing, radical story, all happening in the midst of the war that happened in Sri Lanka. Darkness, horrific things happening left and right, people dying, suffering, tragedy. Yet, in the midst of this darkness, Jesus was building his church and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And even it's so amazing that how how God and his sovereignty can use and leverage tragedy, suffering, and darkness to advance his purposes. Not that he desires any of those things, but he is a better chess player, you could say. He makes use of them. Even thinking about, wow, somehow because of this tragedy, more people were open to hearing the gospel. And so maybe for you, you're not in a place like this with a chief somewhere with idols all around in a spiritually dark place that looks like this, but certainly there is darkness in your life. Maybe there are family members or a restaurant or a store or somewhere in your everyday life where there's spiritual darkness or maybe it's in your own heart and and I want to encourage you today Jesus says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail so is there a place in your life that you sense just overwhelming vivid spiritual darkness and if so maybe go to the Lord and talk to him about it and hold on to his promise that it will not overcome because ultimately Jesus has overcome the world, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Well, thanks for listening. Just wanted to give a quick update and encouragement here on what the Lord's up to uh, thus far in Sri Lanka. God bless you, and we will see you next time.